Hi, I'm Jan. And I'm Lynn. Welcome to the Lamplighters podcast. Lamplighters is a community that encourages women to grow in our faith through the study of God's Word. We are grateful to be on the journey with you this year as we travel through the Psalms. Well, we are back from our long Thanksgiving, Advent, Christmas (laughs) break and reconnecting today. Yes, and it is good to be back. It is good to be back. We left everyone with the challenge to give thanks during the holidays, especially for difficult people, difficult circumstances, and to notice what happened when we were able to do that. (laughs) I can't wait to hear what you have to share, Jan. And I'll let you notice, I'll tell you a few things that I noticed um, with my particular challenge on giving thanks in all circumstances. <laughs> well, I, I will tell you, Lynn, it was an eye-opening experience for me. Yeah. And and we'll get into that later. But first, I, I want to back up a little bit and actually make two apologies. Okay. The first apology for anyone who's ever been in Austin knows this is allergy season. Yeah. So I'm going to be snorking into the mic today. I apologize in advance. <laughs> Uh, uh, the second thing is to our friends who follow this podcast, um, you and I got so excited about the Psalms that we just jumped right in and barreled on, mm-hmm. and we missed something that's actually helpful and important to know. So at the request of several of our friends, we're going to back up today and fill in some context about the life of David, since he's the author of so many of these Psalms we've been exploring. Mm-hmm. Um, it's important. Um, understanding his story is yeah. going to help us understand some of the recurring themes in the Psalms and help us develop a deeper appreciation for them because we're going to understand what he was going through when he wrote them. Well, I mean, for sure, David is a very complicated character in his own right. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's not hard to see how the many different circumstances he faced in his life might have inspired him to write some of these Psalms, you know, especially those laments. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. So David's story can be found in First and Second Samuel, and I am going to do something I never do. Okay. Which is encourage everyone to read First and Second Samuel like a novel. In other words, not out loud. Okay. It's probably the only time you'll ever hear me say that. Okay. Just sit down and read it straight through because it it does. It reads like a movie. Okay. It reads like a novel. Um. So I encourage everybody to do that, but. Today, we're going to have a brief review, and I promise brief because I know not everyone loves history the way I do. Right. Basically, 1 Samuel is a hero story of three men, Mm -hmm. Samuel, Saul, and David. They all began well, and they all ended poorly, which is a lesson for us today to keep on the right path. Anyway, this all happened about a thousand years before Christ was born. It was a very historic time in the life of the people of God, and it was full of turmoil. Now, what we need to understand is at the time, uh, the the people of God were a loose confederation of the tribes, of the 12 tribes, Mm -hmm. and they were led by judges. Theoretically, Israel was a theocracy, meaning God was the king, Mm -hmm. and the judges and the priests ruled according to God's word and law. Okay. That's in theory. Good to know what that means. Yeah. I wasn't sure about that one. In actual fact, it didn't work out that way. Yeah. The judges and the priesthood became corrupt, and there was moral chaos among the tribes. Israel needed really good leadership from people who served the Lord. So Mm -hmm. it was a very tumultuous time. In the midst of this, a woman named Hannah, who was barren, prayed for a son. And God granted that prayer. And when her son was born, his name was Samuel, she Mm -hmm. kept him for three years. And then 
She gave him to God, and she took him to the chief priest, Eli, to be raised and trained. Imagine how hard that was. No, I'm just sitting here thinking, I how know. do you pray and pray for a child and then give him up when he's three? It, That's remarkable faith. She has a remarkable story yeah. in the first couple of chapters of First Samuel. Yeah. Um, anyway, so Samuel was with the chief priest, Eli. He became Israel's first prophet, and he was the kingmaker of Israel. Mm-hmm. So his story can be found in the first seven chapters of First Samuel. Okay. Now, the priesthood was basically inherited. And Eli, who was the chief priest, had these sons who were morally bankrupt and corrupt. Mm -hmm. So the people began begging for a king because everyone around them had a king, right? I mean, all the cool kids had a king. We want a king. Well, they were warned that they wouldn't like it (laughs) because kings would tax them and draft their sons and take their crops and all of that. Mm -hmm. But they persisted. So God told Samuel to anoint a king, and that's when Saul enters the story. He looked like a king. He was tall. He was handsome. He was very charismatic. He was the people's idea of a real king, right? Okay. And initially, he didn't do too badly, but he was deeply flawed. Even though he looked really good on the outside, he was dishonest, and he lacked integrity, Mm. and he was as we see later, psychologically unstable. Yeah, this is one of those uh, moments where you stop and say, be careful what you wish for, because despite the warnings, <laughs> God gave the Israelites a king, and he was a king after their own hearts, which we will see. Exactly. Uh, and that's a good thing to remember. Be careful Be careful what you pray yeah, for. Yeah, I mean, exactly. think of all the times in your life, Lynn, that God has said no to you, thankfully. and later you were grateful. Yes, thankfully. Yeah, well, they should have paid attention to that lesson. Um, Saul eventually, because of his inherent flaws, disobeyed God and he lost his throne. God was gracious to him and let him continue sitting on the throne Mm -hmm. for another 35 years. But it was a 35 years of insecurity and misery, and Saul knew what was coming. Okay. So while Saul is still on the throne he's already lost, God instructed Samuel to anoint another who would be king after Saul. It wouldn't be Saul's children. And this person was a young shepherd named David, who was the least and mostly overlooked youngest son of a man named Jesse. Mm -hmm. But he is the one God chose. And this time he chose a man after God's own heart, Mm -hmm. not after the people's own heart. And God then made an astonishing promise to that young man that David's reign over God's people would never end. Imagine being a teenager and hearing that. Eventually, a king would come from David's line who would rule eternally, and that was the promised Messiah. Mm-hmm. Now, it would be years before David took over the throne for which he had been anointed when he was a teenager. And those years were full of danger and betrayal and intrigue. As David began to rise, mm-hmm. Saul began to decline. So imagine an X. Mm-hmm. One's going up and one's going down. Yeah. Saul became jealous and paranoid about David. And as David's reputation passed Saul's, it got even worse. You know, he was the one who killed Goliath, right. the Philistine from Gath. And his popularity was growing like crazy. Yeah. He was he was a real celebrity. Now 
Saul knew that he had lost his throne Mm -hmm. because of his own disobedience to God and that he was suffering the consequences. Mm -hmm. He knew that. But he couldn't let go of his pride and his resentment and uh, his hatred of David and his attempts to control the situation in spite of what God had told him was going to happen. Well, that doesn't sound familiar. No, not at all. doesn't sound like anything I'd ever do. (laughs) No. (laughs) Um, He continued that downward spiral Saul did uh, as he pursued David relentlessly, Mm -hmm. and killing David became his primary goal in life. Oh, yeah. So for about seven years, David was literally running for his life. He was a constant fugitive. Mm -hmm. He was unjustly pursued by a paranoid tyrant hiding in the desert. He even took refuge with the dreaded Philistines for a while. And you just kind of wonder what Goliath's family thought about that, right? (laughs) exactly. But anyway, at times, Saul got so close to him that David literally could have killed him Mm -hmm. and taken the throne, Mm -hmm. but he didn't. He spared Saul's life because he was patiently waiting and trusting in God for God's timing of the fulfillment of those promises, Mm -hmm. which is amazing to me. It is amazing. David did not take it into his own hands. And in spite of all of this relentless relentless hatred and pursuit, um, amazingly to me, when Saul died at the end of 1 Samuel, David was the chief mourner. He truly mourned the death of the king, uh, which tells you a lot about David's heart. Yeah, it does. I'm mm. I, That's hard to even comprehend. Yeah. <laughs> Mourning your enemy, the mm-hmm. death of your enemy. Mm-hmm. Um, Okay, so 2 Samuel, we go on to that, chronicles David's reign, and it began so well. There was some residual opposition from uh, some remaining Saul followers. Mm -hmm. Uh, So David first became king over his own tribe, Judah, which was the largest of the tribes. Mm -hmm. And he he was king over Judah for seven and a half years. But eventually, he united all the tribes into a unified kingdom. And then he was king over Israel for another 33 years. Hmm. He had a very long reign. Yeah. Um, he, he did a lot of successful things. He captured Jerusalem and made it the capital. Mm-hmm. He brought the Ark of the Covenant to the tabernacle in oh, Jerusalem. Yeah. We, um, and as a successful military commander, David expanded the borders of Israel to include the most territory it ever held. Mm-hmm. He, he was a marvelous military tactician. He rose to power, and Israel reached really basically its high water mark. Mm-hmm. It was known as the Golden Age of Israel um, between David and his son Solomon. Well, I mean, it sounds to me like he was exactly what he did. Everything a king is supposed to do, right? He yeah. Was, he would. These are lifetime achievements. Um, but I also know that there's a lot more to David's life than these <laughs> great achievements. Yeah. Um, it's unfortunate the story doesn't end here, but it doesn't, does it? No. Unfortunately, no. What follows, starting in 2 Samuel chapter 11, is a sordid tale of sin and consequences and punishment and tragedy and failure. Like Saul, David did not finish well. You know, he truly didn't. And we see in Second Samuel that, um, you know, we read about David's sin with Bathsheba mm-hmm. and his efforts. Probably his most well-known failure. Yes, his efforts to cover it up by having her husband murdered. Uh, when mm-hmm. he was confronted by the prophet Nathan about his sin, David was in agony of repentance. And he was really honest about that in Psalm 51. Mm-hmm. However, 
the consequences of that sin were not erased. We can remember that the baby born of his sin with Bathsheba died mm. and his family fell apart. Yep. You know, there was incest among David's children, hatred and revenge. His son Absalom led a rebellion and stole his father's kingdom through deceit and treachery. You know, then again, David finds himself a fugitive. Yeah. Ultimately, he was forced to go to war against his own child. And, you know, who can, can, you who imagine? can fathom that? No. And that rebellion was, was only crushed when Absalom was killed. So he mm-hmm. had to lose his child to win the war. David then began that hard process of rebuilding. You know, he gathered the materials for a magnificent temple which God told him he would not be allowed to build. Because he had blood on his hands. That's right. Yeah. However, David's son Solomon ultimately completed God's house. David died at the age of 70. Can you imagine Mm. that all of that happened in only 70 years? That's a lot of ups and downs. It is. (laughs) And when you really delve into David's life, you realize David was a mess. I mean, we, we you know, we have this glorified <laughs> image of him, and we don't think about how broken he was mm-hmm. a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, he was a shepherd boy, mm-hmm. then a court musician, a skilled soldier, a brilliant military tactician, great warrior, poet, because we've studied a lot of his, mm-hmm. his poems. He was a king, a statesman, a repentant sinner, a father of a very dysfunctional family, and in spite of all that, a founder of a dynasty. And he is described in many ways because of those many talents and many gifts that God has given him. Mm -hmm. But the description which fits him best and which sticks with him is a man after God's own heart. Mm. Now, clearly, not because he was perfect. Right. But because he loved and he worshiped the Lord and trusted him and was confident that God will fulfill his promises to David. So in spite of everything Mm -hmm. that he did and how he failed, David loved God and had faith in him alone. Um, After he died, his dynasty lasted about 450 years until the time of the Babylonian captivity. And the true fulfillment of God's promise was still to come. Yeah. You know, David is just a more complex man than that simple shepherd Mm -hmm. boy or great warrior that I typically think of him. And you can see when you look at his life where some of the psalms, the themes of these psalms come from. His life certainly lent itself to being expressed in poetry and song. And I also think David, who, as we know, was chosen by God, is a great person to take comfort in when we feel like utter failures. Which we do. We do all the time. David never gave up, he never stopped trusting God. And most importantly, even in his lowest points, God never abandoned him. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing that we need to remember. You know, there's nothing that so terrible that God's not going to forgive us if we come back to him. Right, right. And that is a truth to cling to. It is, absolutely. Uh, and really pretty much the lesson of David's life. Yeah. Um, okay, let's now go back to the challenge we left with our friends and ourselves okay. before the holidays. Okay. To give thanks to God specifically for the difficult people and or circumstances in our lives and note what happens. And I'm pretty sure everybody had a difficult person or a difficult circumstance over well, of course, the holidays. Because right. we, live, we live in this world. Of course. Of course you go do. first. Yes. Okay. I'll share two. Okay. Um, but just know there were many, many more. So the first one is about the Thanksgiving holiday. 
Now, as you know, Jan, we had two very significant losses in our family in this last year. And this Thanksgiving was going to be the first time that the entire family would be together without these two people. You had two empty chairs. Two empty chairs. And we were looking forward to being together, but I would be lying if I said Mm. there wasn't a certain amount of dread there, too. Sure. There are two holes in your family. Exactly. There were 28 of us. Oh, my. um, Six (laughs) were kids under the age of 10. And we all went down to my parents' ranch, which has a tiny little house, not enough for 20, however many, 28 people. Um, And not to mention, that's a lot of personalities under one roof. Mm -hmm. All we were all praying for was pretty (laughs) weather. We needed to be able to be outside for that week, you know, to be able to spread out, each person do our own thing. Mm -hmm. And what we got in answer to that prayer was rain every single day. (laughs) Now, some days it rained literally without stopping, Mm -hmm. just constant. Other days it was intermittent and we, you know, had little opportunities to go outside. But even then, it was wet. It was so wet. Um, So it wasn't the ideal circumstances. It was pretty miserable circumstances. (laughs) But what I discovered was that in all of that, in all of those 28 personalities, though very different, we could come together and find what united us instead of what divided us. Mm. It ended up being a beautiful week despite the weather or possibly because of Mm -hmm. the weather. You know, if it hadn't been raining, there would have been far less conversation, far less togetherness than we ended up with. And we also ended up getting a pretty cute picture card, picture for our Christmas card (laughs) in the rain. I've seen that photo. It really is cute. (laughs) Uh, So here's the question, though. You see that in retrospect. Yes. Were you actually thanking God for the rain at the time, or did you see the blessing in hindsight? Hindsight's always easier for me. Hindsight is always easier. Yeah. So... I don't know. I'll have to think about that question. Okay. Go on to the second story. Okay. Let's go to the second. This is one we can all identify with. (laughs) So the the second thing I want to talk about is an unexpected email that I had waiting for me when I returned from Thanksgiving. Mm. It was a jury summons. And at first I wasn't overly concerned. My husband had been called this past summer and it had been very simple. He filled out a form online. He got a reply email telling him, you know, thank you for replying. Don't worry about doing anything unless you are contacted again by this certain date. And he never was. Hmm. So I expected the same thing to happen to me. I filled out my form and waited for that same reply. Ah. Mine, however, was significantly different. It was very long and very detailed, telling me the case number, the judge, the room number, what clothing I should wear, where I should park, what I would and would not be reimbursed for, and most significantly, the date or dates I was being called for. Mm. I was instructed to clear my schedule to be present from December 12th through December 21st. Oh. (laughs) Now, as you can imagine, that was not part of my plan Mm. for the holidays. At this point, I had done nothing to prepare for Christmas because I had spent so much time preparing for our big family Thanksgiving. Mm -hmm. Um, But apparently, justice waits for no one. (laughs) So (laughs) after complaining to anyone who would listen, I dutifully cleared my calendar Mm -hmm. of all appointments, 
and rushed to get ready for Christmas. And as a result, my Christmas spirit was, let's just say, lacking. I I can only imagine. Yeah. Then an unexpected thing happened. I received another email just two days before I was to start telling me that the trial had been canceled and I was excused. All of the grinchy preparation that I had thrown myself into to be ready for jury duty turned out to be the best Christmas gift I could have asked for because I had the gift of time. Mm -hmm. My schedule was completely clear. I had nothing that I needed to do. And because of that, I was able to read and watch Christmas movies and connect with friends and just truly enjoy the Advent season. You really had the gift of time. I did. Yeah. So here's the question. Did you thank God for the jury summons at the time? I suspect no. No, you know I didn't because you were one of the people I complained to. I know, but see how hard it is? <laughs> it is. It's so hard to do it, it in the midst of that. It is. And I, and I will say, Lynn, I was not only challenged by this practice, but I am being transformed by it because yeah. I've kept it up, which is kind of astonishing. Mm-hmm. I started the holidays with a most difficult circumstance. And you know how you handle hurts for yourself better than when someone hurts your kid? Oh, yes. Yes, yeah, that old mama bear mm-hmm. reflex. Mm-hmm. Well, this fortunately did not involve my children, but a very dear friend whom I love deeply and have for years. Uh-huh. And there was someone— who, by rumor and innuendo, was manipulating my friend and using them to accomplish some sort of hidden personal agenda that had potential long-term ratifications that were not beneficial to anybody. Mm. But I had a problem because my friend was not aware that she was being used. Mm. And I couldn't tell her because I had been told of the situation in absolute confidence. I wasn't supposed to have the information that I had. Right. So I couldn't open my mouth. It was eating me up because I could see the danger my friend was in. And it was so unfair that this other person was stirring and muddying waters. Anyway, shockingly enough, I decided to pray because I couldn't do anything else without breaking the confidence of somebody that I respect a lot. And so you know how the Holy Spirit works. I was immediately reminded of this challenge that we left ourselves with before Christmas. So Mm -hmm. instead of praying an answer, which I normally do, (laughs) I gritted my teeth and I thanked God for the perpetrator and for the very fraught with dangerous circumstance my friend was in. Mm. And I will tell you, I did not feel thankful in the slightest. I really didn't. But I did express gratitude albeit with gritted teeth, every time that person's situation came to mind, which, trust me, was a lot. Mm-hmm. And to my astonishment, I don't know why I keep being surprised by God, I found my heart softening, and beca- I was becoming more humble in my own attitude. And I got to see with my own eyes how God protected and is delivering my friend. And I mm-hmm. say is delivering because the situation isn't over yet. Right. But— uh, I did get to see him at work in it, which was a real gift. Mm -hmm. That was such a powerful lesson for me that I made expressing gratitude for the difficult, a spiritual practice all during Advent and Christmas. And you wouldn't believe how freeing it is. It's not only freeing, it's we had the best Christmas ever. Yeah. Ever. Although, I will confess, 
that I lost it over multiple delays by FedEx telling me I wasn't at home when I was. <laughs> I did lose it then. Yeah. But for the most part, this practice has enabled me to basically stand on tiptoe in expectation and anticipation of what God is up to. And I could see what he was up to in a lot of different people and circumstances over the holidays. Yeah, I, I have begun to look with different eyes, not rose-colored glasses. Mm-hmm. The difficult person and circumstance has not changed. Right. But I am able to be more like David in trusting and waiting on God's timing to deal with it. Mm-hmm. And that has been a real gift to me. And I'm sure everyone around me, because I can't complain about it. Yeah, it's that um, perspective shift mm-hmm. that we keep going back to over and over during this psalm study. Yeah, uh, We need to be constantly aware enough to change our perspective. That's the difficult part, Yeah, um, to get away from that selfish me, 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 and look at whatever we are facing with God's eternal perspective. You know, that's something easier said than done. But when we can manage it, as, you have, as you've noticed, everything can change. Yes. And how often have I said to you, God is always up to something? That's right. This is a way of waiting to see what God is up to. That's right. Yeah. Well, until next time.